Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Caught! Touchdown! Kansas City! Hey, Chiefs Kingdom, we have you covered. Joining Sports Daily Live, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, Dan Israel. And welcome in, Dan. We got you your own intro and everything. Sports Daily rolling into hour number two. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster, Dan Israel, Jad Chambers producing. It's a party. It's a short week. Chiefs Chargers. Here we go, Dan. How you feeling today? I'm feeling good. If it weren't a short week, I'd be feeling great because that was a, an amazing <laughs> game on uh, Sunday. I know. It feels like we don't even have time to talk about it, but let's do it briefly before we look ahead to the Chargers. I think if you wrote the game script out, you'd have a hard time having it go, I don't want to say as perfectly, but with everything considered of this offseason, that was about as good as it could have gone on the road in Arizona to play that way on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I couldn't disagree more. You have these question marks that kind of, not that camp doesn't answer or kind of give you a, a, a glean of what you might see, but there's still these question marks that kind of linger over certain aspects of the, of, of your, you know, your new squad, your, your talent pool. And, and yet when you watch that game on Sunday, uh, look, I don't know if the Cardinals defense is that bad or, or, or what exactly is going on, but I can tell you this, anytime you have a, a quarterback throw for five touchdowns and anytime you just, yeah, I think we punted twice. I mean, that's amazing. And, and the, what I liked seeing most was Mahomes spreading it out to 10 different receivers, 10 different guys caught the ball at some point. And, and to me, that shows him keeping his eyes down the field. He had one play in particular guys. And, and I don't know if you, you saw, I'm sure you saw it. I don't know if you realized what he was doing, but Orlando Brown had been knocked to the ground. Mahomes steps over him as he's throwing, never looking down. I don't know how his vision works, man. He, he must have incredible peripheral vision because he stepped clean over Orlando Brown. He knew he was on the ground and was able to avoid him while throwing, keeping his eyes downfield on his receiver. He throws, he makes a completion. I think the completion was to Juju Smith-Schuster. And it just, it, when you see Mahomes playing at that level, you're reminded of how blessed we are this guy is on our team because that's the kind of guy, that's the Aaron Rodgers where you go, oh, man, I hate that guy. We got to play that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and, and he's our guy, so I, I love it. Dan, I, uh, I think my two biggest takeaways from the game on Sunday, number one, just the, the crop of wide receivers that the Chiefs have, and we've talked about it throughout training camp, throughout the preseason, What's going to happen replacing Tyreek Hill? Who's going to replace those catches? And, and, you know, it was a multitude of guys. We saw MVS, Juju, Sky Moore had a big catch. Clyde edwards Lair out of the backfield. Uh, and then, so I think that was a, a big question answered. How was that going to work? And then also I, I look at what you had talked about uh, on this program a couple of weeks ago about how defensively the team just looks faster and more athletic on that side of the ball. I think both of those areas – the, those were questions that I had going into it, and I think both of those questions were answered. Yeah, I, there's no question. When you're 37-7 to 7 at the end of three quarters, you can say, man, what a great offense. They're on a roll, man. They're, you know, every time they touch the ball, they score in some way. But you got to respect the defense that holds 
I, you know, Cardinals, I know, were banged up. You know, they have DeAndre Hopkins was out with the suspension, and and they had some key injuries on their offensive line. But Kyler Murray is a dangerous quarterback. He can do things like Lamar Jackson, where he can extend plays and he can make stuff happen. A little like Patrick Mahomes, a little more athletic, maybe. Uh, in the run portion of his game than Patrick Mahomes, not quite as athletic in the arm, but really close. I mean, that guy can heave the ball, even though he's, you know, four foot six, <laughs> he, he can still <laughs> heave the ball. I, I, I just think that he's a dangerous enough guy that to hold that offense to seven points throughout three quarters was very impressive. And I don't want to say our defense didn't know what they were doing because that's not fair. Uh, they obviously wouldn't have been that successful, but they still have a ton of inexperience. They are learning every play of the game, and for them to come out and have three quarters like that, almost shutting the defense out, to have three quarters of that when you really don't have the experience to to play somebody like that, I felt was an incredibly impressive effort. I talked to you know Coach Spagnolo afterwards, and he was he's hedging his bets a little bit. And I'll tell you something else that I really liked seeing. So in the locker room after the game, um, there was not an error. There was no sense that these guys were elated. Whoa, we won. Yippee, skippy. There was none of that. They were like, I'm surprised the Cardinals didn't play their starters in, in the preseason, given that they're going to have to play us. They expected to win that game. They never mm-hmm. even doubted it. So in the locker room, it was very businesslike. I, you wouldn't have known we, we had a blowout win. You wouldn't have known things went as well as they did. They really expected it to be that way. And I, I personally love seeing that because I think that goes to show the mindset these guys are working under. And that's a good thing. The Bills flex, the Chiefs counter flex as the two clear, I think, favorites now in the NFL. The Chargers think they're in that conversation too, Dan. And on a short week, they've got to come to Kansas City. They've got one of their top playmakers hobbled by a hamstring in Keenan Allen. We don't know if their big-time you know, defensive free agent they brought in, J.C. Jackson, will play. Chiefs get the home game on the short week. If you're going to get the Chargers, this presents itself as about the best opportunity you're going to get them. At home, short week, they're hobbled. They just played a very competitive, tough game against the Raiders. I, I don't want to, you know... It's the NFL, and it's always tough, and it's a divisional game. But this looks good for the Chiefs as far as playing the Chargers goes. Yeah, I think so. You know, I'm sure that half the national pundits will, at some point, appoint the AFC West champion after Thursday night, right? At 1030 on Thursday night, they're just going to pick the champ for the division. Like, like that's all there is to it. But I think it's going to be a good test. I think it's going to be a, a legitimate test for these young defensive guys. I do think, you know, Justin Herbert is a dangerous quarterback as well, but you mentioned Keenan Allen now. Here's you know, Mike Williams, Jalen, uh, Joshua Palmer, DeAndre Carter. I mean, those are, their other, those are their other receivers, right? I mean, Mike Williams we know of. The other guys have never really made a huge splash. Uh, so he's going to have his work cut out for him. And I think, you know, with the pressure that our defensive line was getting on – the Cardinals O-line and, and Kyler Murray, if they can do that to the Chargers, they're going to minimize, I think, just how good Justin Herbert can be in this game. And I think if you hold the Chargers to – even if you hold them to 21 or 24 points, it isn't going to be enough to beat the Chiefs. Dan, the Chargers on Sunday against uh, the, the Raiders, 
sacked Derek Carr six different times in that game. Um, you know, we talked about the injuries and, and not sure if J.C. Jackson will will play in this game or not on Thursday. But what do the Chiefs have to do, especially with that offensive line, to make sure that that Chargers defense does not get to Mahomes? Yeah, I think one of the things that's most troublesome about the Cardinals game was was getting Trey Smith banged up. Uh, the, I think probably as much as I respect Justin Herbert, I think the thing that's the most scary about the Cardinals is their defense. You've got Joey Bosa in there. You've got Khalil Mack in there. I mean, these guys are, have a proven track record for wreaking havoc and, you know, they do twists and stunts and they can, they can really get you out of sorts. So not that Nick Allegretti can't come in and, and, play well and the chiefs can't protect Patrick Mahomes, but I think that's going to be game plan one. You've got to keep Mahomes at least dry enough in the pocket that he can do some completions. I loved the balance of play calling from Sunday. They're going to need to do that again to me against the chargers. They're going to have to keep Joey Bosa. They're going to have to keep that linebacking core with Khalil Mack in there. They're going to have to keep those guys honest with the run game you want to crash in and get to the quarterback that's fine you just need to make sure the ball didn't go up the middle while you were trying to crash in and if they can do that if they can can continue this rushing game I mean what do we have 128 yards rushing or something like that I mean it was spread Mm -hmm. out amongst three backs which is awesome as well but you know you get 100 yards rushing I think they can kind of keep these guys honest and slow that down a little bit because those guys are dangerous, man. And they're and they're even though they play a three four defense, uh, I still think they're just so especially on the edge, those ninety seven and fifty two are so powerful and have just proven themselves to be fast and furious. I really feel like that's game plan one for me is shutting down that powerful defense, man. Yeah, I I agree with that, Dan. And Dan Israel, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, joining us every Tuesday here on Sports Daily. I don't want to, you know, the Chiefs dominated and that, you know, that sort of changed the outcome of the game as far as what happened maybe at the end. The Chargers were in a fight with a team that, you know, made the playoffs last year and I think will be a contender in the division. And, you know, they didn't take advantage of some turnovers that they forced as well as they should have. I don't want to. I don't want to overlook the Chargers either. Justin Herbert has shredded the Chiefs at Arrowhead in his two times: seven touchdowns, no interceptions. He's got a quarterback rating of around one ten. He's been really good in Arrowhead, and that roster we know is really good. How careful then, after all we've just talked about, the, do the Chiefs have to be here of? Just how good the Chargers are, and not looking too much at what happened in Week One, and and you know they they've got to know how tough this game likely will be, hobbled or not, that the Chargers might be. Yeah, I really feel like they're they're facing a very similar offense by design, where you've got you know kind of an inordinate amount of depth to cover. Uh, you got guys that can sling the ball fifty, sixty plus yards that that makes it tough on a secondary you know and as a safety to say never let anybody behind you well then you start out 30 yards deep instead of 20 you know I mean that it's difficult and and so for me the the lessons that they learned in Arizona hopefully they can apply I mean there were some fantastic bust-ups uh, there was a play in the end zone where Kyler Murray had actually hit his receiver our defender, I can't remember who it was now, but he was in front of 
He was actually ahead of the receiver, and he reached backwards over his back and batted the ball down. And I just thought, that's athleticism we haven't seen out of a defense. You know, uh, Tyron Matthew wasn't going to do that. He, you know, it just wasn't going to happen. And all of a sudden, we were seeing this speed kind of come to light where if they make a mistake, they can recover. I think that's going to speak well uh, against the Chargers on Thursday night. What they can't do is make silly mistakes. I mean, you saw last night, man, Denver, I, I, the amount of mistakes mm-hmm. they were making, the, the amount of penalties they were making, mm-hmm. they were shooting themselves in the foot. And I think if the Chiefs don't do that, they'll keep this game close and and frankly, I think if you keep the game close, Mahomes is going to beat you. I mean, as good as Justin Herbert is in Arrowhead, Mahomes can be too. So I feel like, again, you know, they just – they need to play – I don't want to say conservative because that kind of throws it into a different role. But they need to be confident in what they're doing, and they just need to continue to play fast. I love what Coach Tove told us on Sunday, which is one of the things he likes about these guys is even if they make a mistake, they make it fast and they don't repeat it. And I think if they can continue to do that, then they stand a fighting chance against a very, very good quarterback. Dan Israel joining us here on Sports Daily, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network. And and Dan, one of the most pressing concerns coming out of week one was the ankle injury from Harrison Butker. We saw Justin Reed kicking a couple of extra points and and serving on kickoff duties a little bit in that game. Uh, Looks like as of today, Matt Amendola has been signed to the Chiefs practice squad What's the latest? What are you hearing about Harrison Bucker? Yeah, I saw him in the locker room. It was pretty bruised up. I don't think one of the things I think that's an advantage is it's a little bit lower ankle sprain, which tends to heal much better than a high ankle sprain. High ankle sprain involves like the soft tissue at the base where your two leg bones come together. And when that stability gets compromised, it's not only painful, but it just takes a long time to heal. So good news in that I think it's a little bit lower ankle sprain. Uh, bad news in that, you know, Butker's a very good kicker. I, I just, guys, I, I marvel at this Coach Reed and his staff and how they have been able to prepare for adversity over the past 10 years. We talk about it all the time, next man up, next man up. And every coach says that, but so often it's coaches speak. Here they practice a safety with an extra point in the preseason. In week one, you lose your kicker, and he has to come in and save the day. It's crazy stuff. But, you know, I think with Butker's ability to come back into the game and kick that long 54-yarder, I feel like this isn't going to be a nagging thing that goes on. I guess we'll just have to see, especially with soft tissue injuries, you know, there's no timetable. You break a bone, they know Dak Prescott – the bone's going to heal in a certain amount of time. It's going to, it may be a week or two off, but it's going to heal between four and six weeks. That's the way bones work. It's very predictable. Soft tissue is not. And so the downside to it being a soft tissue injury is you really don't know how quickly he's going to heal, but he's a tough kid. And, and I'm hoping that maybe, you know, he struggles this with this for another week or two. And that's about it. But it kind of lingered in from training camp in the first place. So we'll see. Dan, it's almost here. What just explain to us what the difference in a short week is versus a normal week? How different is this? Because it feels like it's sort of monumentally different in preparation. It is, and and I will give the coaching staff credit. You know, Reed has this very uh, he has the uh, very defined. So what essentially happens is normally players would return to work 
on Tuesday. They'd have a practice on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and a walkthrough on Saturday. So a Wednesday kind of becomes a Monday. A Thursday becomes a Tuesday. They keep their schedule very close to the same. And the Chiefs are fortunate here in that they don't have to travel because then you lose another day. But the huge thing, and I hear this from players, I hear this from ex-players, the hardest thing about this is that when you get beat up in a game, you don't start to feel good till Friday of that week. Well, that's a day after they're going to play. So the hardest part about this is, and, and, it, and it goes for the Chargers as well, but you have the players coming together and they're going to compete when they're still not feeling really over the last week's game. I think that's the hardest part about it. Uh, the study part, they, they basically lose their time off, you know, and so they immediately go to work. I know with Coach Reed, they were passing out the iPads on the plane on the way home. So they were already working on, on Charger stuff literally on the flight home from Arizona at, at one in the morning. So uh, it, it does, it does present a number of issues in that you're compressing seven days of work into four days of work. The upside to that is that the players for the most part, just get their schedules moved. The coaches on the other hand, it's difficult because they normally the front of the week when they're preparing for a game plan is gone. The players are resting, the coaches are preparing, and they present the game plan on Tuesday. That's all gone. This had to be worked out by lower coaching staff, and then it gets kind of revamped on Sunday night, Monday morning, and bam, immediately they're doing their, their thing. It's just it's a, it's a little bit of a different curve. But physically, it's easier, I think, mentally on them than physically. Physical uh, healing just takes time, and they don't have it. They don't have it. Uh, none of us have it. You guys don't have it uh, as part of the Chiefs radio network as you got to get ready to roll. Of course, you'll hear uh, Nicholtis, Dan Israel, and gang on uh, KNSS here. What time does uh, pregame start on Thursday? Four o'clock on uh, Thursday, and it should be a, a good show. We've got, uh, you know, there's just a lot to talk about with this, right? Exciting Sunday last Sunday. But, man, it is a second test, and, and the Chiefs need to be ready for it. It's going to be interesting to see who the better coach is here, Staley or Reed. My money's on Reed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think that's a safe bet. bet. isn't it? <laughs> hey, yeah. sports wagering's legal in Kansas now. Do you know what the odds on that are? I, I don't know how to, I, I don't know how to I look that one I don't. I haven't up. seen that. They have been peltering me with emails. Seize, all, all, the, all the sports guys <laughs> have been peltering. And, and I just don't have time to read them. But I, I know last week we, – they had to be a little upset at the uh, outcome of that one because uh, it certainly didn't go the way they, they everybody predicted that to be a much closer game than it turned out to be. It was quite the blowout and frankly could have been 50 something than, you know, yeah. 21 as well. Yeah. We were all over the chiefs too. And they, they, you know, they made us feel right. I, I just, this, this isn't, this is going to be such a fun game. I love it. Dan, we'll, we'll listen to you on Thursday night. Thanks for joining us as always. All right, guys, have a good week. Go chiefs. There goes Dan Israel, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network. You'll hear uh, their call over on KNSS. Always love having Dan in. His insight, that uh, inside information gets access that you just don't hear anybody else, any, anywhere else. And we love having that as a part of Sports Daily. We'll have him next Tuesday uh, as we look back. Much more to come on that game as we make our way through the next couple of days. We're going to stick in the NFL when we come back. I want to talk about the Cowboys because we have some DAC Prescott injury news. Uh, a lot of people wondering if they're going to trade for a quarterback. All kinds of stuff going on there. And it poses the question, do they just blow it up at this point? We'll get into the Cowboys, 869-1240. 
Shake Ball Brock, Tommy Castor. Our thanks to Dan Israel, Jad Chambers producing. We'll be right back. Sports Daily, KFH, Jacob Albrock, Tommy Castor, Jad Chambers producing for us. Appreciate everybody being a part of the show. Our thanks to Dan Israel for joining us there to preview Chiefs Chargers, all kinds of good stuff. And that conversation, you can always go back and check it out on demand, kfhradio.com. We've got podcasts. You can catch any segments you might have missed. Catch it later. Go back and listen. Always a good opportunity there. Uh, Tommy, let's talk about the Cowboys. Cowboys are a mess. We know that. Uh, some of us, myself, who are Cowboys fans, knew that coming into this year. Absolutely no reason to have any sort of expectations for this team. Their roster got worse, they kept the same bad coaches, and they got older. Uh, wasn't going to happen, right? So week one goes about as bad as it could have gone, including an injury to Dak Prescott. Now, the injury news on Prescott's relatively good today. Jerry Jones saying on a local radio station in Dallas that he doesn't anticipate putting Dak on IR and that he could be back within the month, basically. The questions have swirled. Do the Cowboys need to go out and try and trade for Jimmy Garoppolo? Mike McCarthy saying he's got a list of all the available quarterbacks in the NFL. They're trying to figure out what they need to do. Right now it's Cooper Rush. I, I My thought on this is, as a Cowboys fan, don't, don't go trade any draft capital for a quarterback. Don't go... One, I don't think the 49ers are going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo because they probably need Jimmy Garoppolo, which is why they gave him the money and did those things that they did a few weeks ago. But there's not anybody out there that they're going to go get that turns their season around. Like, what? let's be real with the Cowboys and what's happening there right now. Their offensive line, which was the best in the league for so long, is now old. They've spent a lot of capital on skill players, but now their line stinks. They can never get a great offense with a great defense, except last year, and then their coaches stink. I, I, I don't know why the Cowboys would go spend any draft capital if you're Jerry and Steven Jones right now. You think Dak's coming back in a month? Like you got to be real with your expectations of what this team's going to be, and it's just not going to be that good. You mentioned blowing the Cowboys up. Like, what is there to blow up? I mean, they, they don't have talent anyway. I mean, I understand the the thought of, all right, we need to move on from Mike McCarthy. I think the writing's on the wall. He's not going to be coaching the Cowboys next season. I mean, albeit if there's some kind of major massive turnaround, that's not going to happen. But Mike McCarthy's not going to be coaching the Cowboys next season. Jerry Jones has put him on the hot seat, taken him off the hot seat, put him back on multiple different times. I, I can't imagine anybody would want to coach under Jerry Jones like that. Just that I understand coaching for the brand oh, of he's Dallas. He's the most loyal owner in football. He's he holds on to coaches way too long and players. But That's the but he but he goes and he goes to the media. He goes to guys like you and I and says, oh, "I'm not sure if we're going to keep him." I mean, he did that over during the off season with McCarthy. I, I don't know if you caught that talking about trying to keep no, Dan I, Quinn yeah, and yeah. said, "Well, you know, I, I'm going to try to you know put his uh, put McCarthy's ASS out there to try to keep him motivated." Like, why would you say that publicly? Um, I, I just I think it, you, there's 
yeah, the, the thought of blowing it up, um, I just don't think there's a whole lot to blow up. There's really nobody there. Oh, I, I, I don't agree with that. I, look, I think that Dak is, is fine. Um, yeah. I think that CD Lamb is really good. I think they're going to get Gallup back, and they'll be better at wide receiver. I think Dalton Schultz is good. I think Micah Parsons is a top five defensive player in this league. Outside Diggs of Micah Parsons, I, I'll give you that. I'll give you Micah Parsons. I'll give you CD Lamb. Um, at what point, though, do the Cowboys say, you know what, it, it's, it might be time to start looking at what a future without Dak Prescott looks like? Well, listen, but do you think Dak Prescott's been the problem? Prescott has – he's been fine. I, I don't know. It, look, what will be really interesting is if they lose a ton of games, which I think they're going to, and they have an opportunity at a young quarterback, that's what will get interesting, just like it gets interesting for every team in the NFL. Look at the 49ers. They had an opportunity to go get a guy they really liked, and they had a guy that they liked. Um, the Chiefs, they had an opportunity to go get a guy they really liked when they had a guy that they liked. Teams do that all the time. Blowing it up and starting over from Dak, I, I don't know if those things are the same. You know, I, I just don't know what the right answer is. They draft well historically, as well as any team in football. But then they, they don't handle free agency well, and they have a really hard time managing their roster. They don't have a hard time finding talent in the draft. That That's one thing where they've really excelled at over the last decade or so. So I, I don't know what you do other than, you know, this season's going to suck no matter what they do. But let's say Sean Payton comes in next year, which is I, I'm I'm pretty sure is going to happen. Let's say it's Sean Payton next year. Dak's back. They're able to get a little healthier on the line. You know, you've got the Dan Quinn defense in place, which, by the way, the defense played fine against the Buccaneers. Uh, I mean, they gave a bunch of field goals. The offense was just hot garbage, as it has been. They were a high-scoring offense last year, but if you watch the Cowboys, it was still frustrating. So, you know, they they get healthier, whatever, with Sean Payton there. I think it. I, I don't think they need to blow it up and move on from Dak, I think they just got to make a change. And I don't know, this year's going to, again, it's going to suck no matter what they do, especially with Dak injured. But uh, make a high draft pick, make a change to coach. Could Dallas, is there any world where Dallas can be competitive and contend for a Super Bowl next year? I think that's the question. This year, this year's done. They're done this year. They're not going to do anything. But could they next year if Sean Payton's there? And that's I don't know the answer to that, quite frankly, and that's why I wanted to talk because trading for Jimmy Garoppolo or going out and finding some quarterback off of a team scrapping like that ain't it. That's not going to accomplish anything. That doesn't that doesn't do anything for the Cowboys. Dak comes back healthy. They get Gallup back. They get a few guys back around the same time they get Dak. Could they win five, six, seven games? Maybe I don't know. They're not winning a Super Bowl, but could they contend for one next year with a different coach? What do you think? I mean, I think they could, and I think it's going to come down to what ends up happening um, with the the playmakers. I mean, you know, Ezekiel Elliott has had a a long leash for a well, long time. He'll be time. done. They're, they're going to let yeah. him go because they'll save a bunch of money. The Ze- right. This will be Zeke's last year, most likely. So, you know, do they stick with Tony Pollard then? You know, going into no. to, to next year. I mean, they do they shouldn't. completely do they completely rebuild? 
the running back room. I think that's going to be a big question um, on, you know, and, and I, I don't disagree with you. They've got a couple of dynamic wide receivers in CeeDee Lamb. Michael Gallup, uh, we've seen in years past, you know, he, he's come onto the scene too. I think going back though to your, your thoughts about this season, I'm going to dangle a name out to you that's a low-risk, potentially high-reward acquisition for Dallas in the interim before Dak Prescott comes back. We're not talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. We're not talking about going and trying to get Mason Rudolph or you know a backup QB from uh, another team in the league. If I'm Mike McCarthy, if I'm Jerry Jones, what's the harm in picking up the phone and calling Cam Newton right now and just saying, hey, Cam, you're not doing anything. You're not playing for a team right now. Wouldn't it be cool if you came down to Dallas and played for a few games? Uh, we know that you can, we, you know, we know you've been able to play in the past. You're diminished from what you were before. That's a fact. However, and he wasn't great for the Panthers last year. We know that, but at least in the interim and, and having Cam in a Dallas jersey, that's going to get some much needed attention back to Dallas for the right reasons, for positive reasons, right? Cam Newton? Come on, no. why not? I'll why not? Cooper Rush over Cam Newton. Cam Newton, There's not, he, he, his career's done. He got he, that's he, a low too many hits. Risk, that's a low-risk acquisition. You'd rather trot out a low Rush. Risk, a low-risk, zero-reward option. Oh, come on. Yes. It's more it than is. a zero-reward. You've got an opportunity to go out and raise— Have you the, watched Cam Newton play football the last two years? I'm just talking about the brand of Cam Newton, bringing it to the brand of the Dallas Cowboys. You're not Jerry win- Jones you're not doesn't need any year. branding help. Jerry Jones has the most valuable sports franchise on the planet. He doesn't need branding help. Think uh, of we, all uh, the additional Cowboys fans will suffer Cowboys. through anything. Come on, they will suffer through anything. Cam Newton doesn't do anything for me. No, I, Cooper Rush is. Look, Cooper, we've seen him play. He's not. He's not a nothing burger. Like he, he, what did he win a game he or almost win a game last year? He's a nothing year? burger. Cam Newton's like he, a nothing burger. I, I, listen, Cam Newton's a former MVP. I don't want to say Cam Newton as a like that. That's not like a statement in totality. That's a statement of what Cam Newton currently is after all the hits he's taken and what he's able to do physically. Is not able to do anything. Not, I'm, Cam Newton was a great quarterback. Love Cam Newton. Just not right now. Um, Cooper Rush looked better throwing the ball in that game than Dak Prescott did. He, he's not better than Dak Prescott, but he's not, you know, he's, I, I'm trying to just like, that doesn't do anything for me. The Cowboys are, they're going to sell out every game and they're going to, you know, they're going to, the fans are going to suffer through it like we always do. I mean, I remember the days of uh, the, the Quincy Carter era in the, I don't even remember some of the quarterbacks they were rolling out there in the late nineties and early two thousands. It, it was a joke. They'll, they got to just decide though. And they had a decision like this to make not long ago when they were trying to decide if they went for Cam, I mean, for Dak Prescott. Is this going to be the group that can win a Super Bowl? Last year, it felt like with that defense and that offense, that team needed to contend for a Super Bowl, and they coached themselves right out of that opportunity. And then they kept the coaches. And the second they did that, I was like, they're not. Mike McCarthy is not going to win a Super Bowl in Dallas. Not going to happen. Kellen Moore was a hot name for a while, and now nobody wants him. And they went right back to it. And I'm like, what? Like, what are you doing, Jerry? Like you. And then they trade Amari Cooper, and then they don't do anything for the line other than draft a guy that's a project. When we all know their line is old and crazy. Like, 
It is, I just don't know. When I say blow it up, back to our original point, is this team capable with a new coach of winning a Super Bowl? A a new coach in one offseason to get better? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think it is either. Absolutely not. But we got to look at look at the NFC. Tampa's going to take a step back as is you know I, who knows what's going to happen with Brady. Green Bay probably and likely in the mix. The Rams probably and likely in the mix. We're both high on the Vikings as an ascending team. The NFC's sort of open. I mean, the Eagles are an ascending team. Like there there are, there's no Bills or Chiefs or you know whatever the AFC, which is just absolutely loaded, that doesn't exist in the NFC. And while I'm fully aware and believe that this season is going to be a steaming pile for the Cowboys, because I do think it will be, I'm not completely convinced that with an offseason, the way they draft, with the money they'll have to spend in free agency, and with a guy like Sean Payton at coach, which seems like a foregone conclusion, that they couldn't become a contender in the NFC next year. That's why it's tough for me to say blow it up. As much so, as I want to, I, I just I don't know if yeah. it's quite there yet, and that's it's it's annoying as a Cowboys fan. I'm going to throw out a, a scenario to you that's probably going to it's going to probably make you recoil, but I'm I'm going to put it out there anyway. So yeah, it might be a foregone conclusion that Sean Payton is coaching the Cowboys next year. However, you mentioned a few minutes ago Jerry Jones is super loyal. And I think that the Dak Prescott injury is actually good for Mike McCarthy. I think it buys Mike McCarthy more time, especially if I'm Mike McCarthy, I'd like to stretch that injury out even further because you can deflect a lot of the blame off of, well, we didn't have Dak Prescott. He's injured. He's out, he's out for eight games. So is there a scenario that exists where Mike McCarthy is insulated by, you know, and it's happened before Prescott was out two years ago, the 2020 season for like 11 games. Then they switched coordinators last season. That bought him some time, brought in Dan Quinn defensively. Is there a scenario where Jerry Jones says, hey, Mike, look, Dak was out for a while. This is not entirely your fault. We're going to ride with you for another year. Sure there is. Jerry Jones held on to Dave Campo too long. And good Lord, do we all remember Jason Garrett, Mr. 8-8? with teams that should have been much, much better than that. Um, He is a very loyal owner to both coaches and players. That's why I always say I would love to be employed by Jerry Jones because he is a loyal, loyal owner, far more so than any other owner in the NFL. Um, And it's, you know, to a fault when you're talking about wins and losses. But, yes, I, I, I think that exists. The one thing I'll say, and back to what you were talking about earlier, Jerry Jones did not have the same level of confidence he typically has in those coaches this offseason. Not even close. Those were odd things for him to do, to publicly question his guy. Like, he doesn't mm-hmm. really do that, um, that I can recall anyway, as he's stuck with some of these coaches. He, he usually defends them pretty well. He's not defending Mike McCarthy. Not at all. I think for him, at his age, he just, you know, that roster was so close and so good. And, you know, McCarthy, they finally made the change and they were really excited about McCarthy. And the reality is Aaron Rodgers was probably right. McCarthy just not that good. And like, it's not going to work. And Kellen Moore's not, you know, like, no, they offensively, they got to make some changes. And 
Sean Payton's the guy. Sean Payton, they've wanted Sean Payton forever. He's a, he, he grew up in the organization. If Sean Payton wants to coach, Sean Payton's going to be the coach of the Cowboys next year. Mark it down right now on September 13th. It's going to happen if he wants to coach. And I don't know if he wants to coach. But I suspect that when the Cowboys come calling, that's nostalgically something he'd be interested in. So that will happen if Sean Payton wants to coach. And when it does, it is it is a difference maker. Because to me, the difference in Sean Payton and Mike McCarthy is a gap as wide as the Grand Canyon. Sean Payton's one of the greats, right? He, he has been... He's really been a great NFL head coach. And Mike McCarthy has not been. He's had, he, how long did Mike McCarthy have Aaron Rodgers, right? So I, I think that they got to ride it out. I don't think Jerry Jones is too old. They, he can't afford to blow it up. Like, that's the reality. He doesn't want to blow it up. He's too old. He's going to ride this thing out. And they made their commitment to Dak. The one thing that will be interesting is what happens if they end up with a top pick and one of these great young quarterbacks in this class is staring at them in the face. That's what's going to get really interesting. Because at that point, they could trade that and load up on draft capital and go after it. They're going to have money to spend. I don't know, man. But I know this year, it's going to be bad for a while until at least yeah. they get healthy. But even when they do get healthy, that coaching staff and that opening game, you had an entire offseason to prepare for that game. And that's what you yeah. rolled out there? I mean, I'll tell you the only way to answer your original question about can Sean Payton come in with one offseason and make that team a contender, it ain't going to be with the top five pick and drafting a young quarterback to replace Dak. If they want to replace Dak, I know. maybe the free agent market. I mean, that's that's about the only thing you can think of. Maybe making a trade, uh, loading up on draft capital. Uh, that's about the only way. But uh, it's unlikely. Don't see it happening. Even with Sean Payton, it's going to take a while. <sighs> Whatever, Cowboys. I'll thank goodness we have sports wagering this football season because watching the Cowboys otherwise would be uh, like pulling now fingernails. All right, eight six nine twelve forty. Jay Ballrock, Tommy Caster will come back. Last segment, last regular segment when we return. Six nine twelve forty. Time to get busy. This is Sports Daily on KFH. Welcome back, everybody. Short segment here. Uh, this is a Bet MGM show, and we're still exploring the nuances of. Uh, sports wagering, having fun with it. It's been a blast so far. Tommy, we're through week one. It's only Tuesday. Have you laid any bets already? I have. I've laid a couple of them. In the NFL, the Rams are 11.5-point road favorites against the Falcons. I like them to cover that. They didn't look good against Buffalo. That being said, I think that Sean McVay, Matthew Stafford, and company will get things worked out. I like them covering that. And then a couple of unders that I've already placed. Commanders at Lions under 46 and a half. I don't think yeah. either one of those teams can put up a lot of points. I put some money on that. And then Seahawks at 49ers under 42 and a half. Uh, I placed that one as well. Uh, it's interesting that you brought up um, 
some of those. Uh, Rams covering is a four-star bet with our partners at BetQL. They rate them up to five stars. That Commander's Lions under is a five-star bet, according to our uh, our Odyssey partners over at BetQL. That's an app you can download, by the way. Um, there are th- Those are two of their favorite bets. They also really like Colts, minus four and a half. I'll tell you the ones that I have laid so far, and these are just, and I don't know if this is the right thing to do, and I, and we'll talk to Chelsea Messenger about this later in the week, our betting insider uh, with BetQL. I, I don't know if it's the right way to, like, fresh in your mind things you took away from a game, and I'm trying to take advantage of overreactions. That's why I went and laid a little parlay with the Bengals minus 7 and the Broncos minus 10, um, because I felt like, there was a perception of those teams that was a little bit off based on what happened in their week one games. Both of those teams had to make like a billion mistakes to barely lose their games. And I still believe in those games holistically. So I thought those were two opportunities. So I put that one in there and then look, I, I like the, I really like the chiefs minus three and a half. So I, I I've placed that one as well on bet MGM. That's what it's at right now. That line hasn't really moved, which surprises me. I do think before kickoff on Thursday that the Chiefs will become bigger than a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I would predict that that will happen as we get injury news and likely learn that Keenan Allen and J.C. Jackson at least aren't going to play in this game. Justin Herbert makes me nervous, man. Like I, he does. I like oh, that for line. sure, because he has but torched man. the Chiefs yeah. at Arrowhead. Uh, yeah. Totally. I get it. I just The injuries, the short week, the travel, all of those things make me lean a little bit there to the Chiefs and Andy Reid and his preparation, some of the things that Dan Israel talked about with us earlier in the show. You can hear that interview, by the way, with Dan Israel. You can go back and download that, listen to it on kfhradio.com. All right, we're going to take our final break. We'll come back, let you know what's coming up today on KFH as we wrap things up on a Tuesday edition. Girls and fans back. 